Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and it's a return guest for this episode. A warm welcome back uh, from Dubai for Giles Wright. Giles, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me, Eamon. Good afternoon. And to you too. And now, we did Mega City Justice as part of the Tour of Duty stories. Last time you chose a slightly eclectic set of stories, Fink Angel Legacy, and you've sort of grouped together some stories or you've chosen a trade that does that this time. Tell us what you've picked for uh, this episode of the Book Club, Giles. Uh, this episode, I've chosen Brothers of the Blood, uh, which was put out. It's been put out twice, once by Rebellion in 2006, and then Hachette put out a very similar uh, volume in 2017. OK, so if I just mention that the Rebellion trade, which I've got from 2006, which is I've got the digital, I think you've got the digital version of that as well. Shall I just say that there's, there's a lot of stories in there? There's a, In my version, or in the digital version, I think there's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven different stories. Mm-hmm. Progs running from Prog 1186 in the year 2000 up to Progs 1381 in 2004. Now, Creator Corner, we've got quite a few. It's all written by John Wagner. I think all the stories we're discussing are written by John. But we've got art by Simon Fraser, Carlos Esquera, Ian Gibson, Colin McNeil, Charlie Adlard. We've got some... Uh, cover work on the trade by Trevor Hersine and there's a Carlos image on the back cover. There's colours in there by Gary Caldwell and Chris Blythe. Lettering is by Tom Frame. Editors, David Bishop, Andy Diggle and Matt Smith. But if I if we extended it to the Hachette version, we'd also find McMahon, Peter Doherty, Patrick Goddard and Greg Staples, I think. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, as you say, it's a, it's a huge collection that, that spans, um, I don't know, I mean, taking the Hachette in sort of 35 years. Yeah. Okay, so... As I say, last time we had this sort of unusual grouping of Fink Angel stories. I sort of, I think I know the answer here, but why did you pick this particular collection to talk about, Giles? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I initially just picked Fink Angel because I just thought that the four stories went uh, well together. There were four damn good stories and there was there was a connection. And then we had a discussion at the end of that, if you remember, and how did you how did you put it? You you called them grab bag stories as opposed to straight <laughs> runs. And then, you know, we we discussed are there are there any others that you you like the look of? And I I mentioned a couple of the top of my head, and then I went back and sort of took a look at my um collected volumes and thought, this is this is not bad. This you know, there's a few of these, and some of them are really tremendous. Uh, and I think this one that we're discussing today is is probably the best of the bunch. Okay, so as I say, we've got several, several stories in here, all written by John Wagner. Mm. Um, I was going to get you to sort of run through them, but I think there's too many for that. So as we discussed before we started recording, I'm going to ask you instead, what's the main theme that we're dealing with in this collection? What, what is, the, what is the, the facets of Dread's world that we're talking about? Well, it's, it's uh, the theme. I mean, the, and there is a theme that connects all of them, and it's Dredd doing something that's very rare for him, which is confronting his feelings. And specifically, his feelings about his family and his obligations, his kind of growing obligations towards that family. That's the other clones of Fargo and indeed clones of him and his actual blood relatives. And that, that's, that theme uh, picks up uh, throughout. Um, yeah, and, and starts off from, uh, yeah, I mean, 
a story way back in Prog 30 all the way through to, as you say, sort of, you know, 1356, really. So the Prog 30 story, which is in the Hachette collection, of course, is the return of Rico, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously established Dredd's clone brother and his return from Titan and everything that goes with that, uh, that well-known famous story. It's not in the Rebellion trade, but I know it sort of starts off the Hachette collection. We're going to encounter some more of the sort of Dread Fargo family tree in this volume uh, or in the stories that come after the Rico story. Uh, just run through who the other members of the sort of clone family are. Well, yes, and, and each one of them gets, not only do they get an introduction, but actually what's really wonderful about this story is there's certain combinations of of the uh, members of the sort of Dread clone family and natural birth uh, family. Um, so it isn't just Dread with other clones. It's the sort of clone brothers and sisters uh, interacting with each other. So the first one we meet, obviously, so there's, there's Rico, who's uh, Dread, uh, Dread's clone brother from, from way back in the day who went bad. And uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that um, Joe Dread shot his own brother 45 years ago. Um, and then we meet, we massively jump forward in time to, um, so the first story in the rebellion is Blood Cadets from the year 2000. And we meet another clone who is, um, he's a cadet and he's going up, he's having his final street assessment under Dread. And in fact, the name he's operating under is also Dread. And at the end of the assessment, uh, during which Ardred, Joe Dread, tells, reveals the story of what happened to Rico. And in fact, it's a little bit of retconning, but it's beautifully done by Wagner. It's, it's how and why Rico went bad. This new cadet takes the name, he passes out, gets his full eagle, and he takes the name Rico. Um, and of course, you know, we're, we're now these days in, uh, you know, 2022, very familiar with uh, Rico. He's been a big feature of the prog since. Uh, we also meet uh, Vienna, who is um, the first Rico's uh, daughter and the, therefore Joe Dredd's uh, niece. And we meet another clone at the end of the stories, uh, Dolman, who uh, comes in and, and uh, Rico too has kind of put a, a, a sort of a paternal um, arm around for a number of years. And in the final story of the collection, which gives the collection its name, Brothers of the Blood, uh, we see um, this new guy, Dolman, uh, again, take his first uh, night and day on the street and decide what he wants his future to be. And so we've got all these family members. You've mentioned that this is, in a way, in a volume about dread, dealing with his family, dealing with his feelings... Because each of them, get, as you say, they get their own story, but Dread interacts with them in each time, doesn't it? There's always Dread and these interactions. What does that tell us about uh, Dread himself and how he deals with uh, family stuff? Well, I think this is the first time, and obviously we had a little bit of family and uh, stuff when he first um, met Rico. And I suppose in the early days of of the prog, he was trying to fashion something of a family with Maria, maybe Walter, maybe, if you remember him, uh, little Ralphie. Um, but I think no, th- th- those ideas were, were thrown out uh, early. Uh, so what do we get from him? Yes, I mean, I think what's nice about this is that... Um, he does get to explore his, his, his emotions and he can explore his feelings of commitment 
and even take time off uh, to enjoy a cup of tea, uh, which is what you know you never ever see. And I think you can even argue that these early stories—the first time that he's met Vienna for twenty-three years, um, the the introspection that he does uh, during Blood Cadets, the first story of this collection with uh, Rico—lights the fuse for Origins and Tour of Duty, which we see, you know, which we see a much more fleshed out, maybe sympathetic uh, dread. Somebody's not willing, he's not quite willing to bend the rules, but he's certainly willing to forgive and and just maybe turn blind eyes. And it's not just uh, family emotions as well. I mean, you know, we get in Leaving Rowdy, which is just a one-off um, in the middle of the collection. We see that he still carries uh, huge regrets out of over how he treated uh, Judge Lopez back in the Judge Rockwest. And then... Beyond him, uh, Vienna gets to explore what it's like to grow up with a father, which she didn't have for the first 30 years of her life, let's say, 29 years of her life. And then Dolman as well, who's just been born out of a test tube, shoved into the academy, been expected to become a super judge in, in you know, the latest in the line of Fargo, Fargo DNA. And he gets to experience what it might be like just to reject all this and, and forge his own path. There's a there's a line in one of the stories where Dredd confronts a Justice Department tech and asks how many clones are out there. And I think the answer is seven, of which we know of two. And I think there was a story more recent years where there was a female clone of Dredd out there as well, possibly. And I just thought it occurred to me that John Wagner writing this, in a way he gets to play with slightly different versions of the dread archetype you know rico looks like a younger dread and he like a judge he's pretty much as effective as dread but he has slight changes and that becomes more obvious in dolman do you think john is just sort of playing slightly with these different versions of the character he created um yeah for sure i mean he's just uh yeah in in the in the final story brothers of the blood uh there's a moment where Rico has kind of taken Dolman, who's still a cadet, uh, under his arm. And as part of, you know, he's, he's allowed he's allowed to sort of hang out with Dolman and assess him on the streets for a day. And as part of that day, he um, takes Dolman to see uh, Vienna. And, and, and you get an internal monologue from, from Rico saying, and anyway, the devil in me wanted to see Vienna's reaction to to Dolman, and sure enough, when when she sees the, the you know the jawline and the chin, she sort of says something like you know along the lines of you know dig rud another one. Uh, so yeah, absolutely, and and you know we've seen o- over the years that that um, I, I mean Rico's just a lot younger than than, than Joe Dredd, and he's he's perfect on the streets, and he's a perfect lawman, and he understands the comportment and the book of law, etc. But he's he's you know less um rigid in his in his application of the law he's he's a you know he's he's as we've discussed before he's he's got a nice cutting sense of humor and and um willing to uh to tell uh you know to tell jokes and then um yeah uh dolman equally i mean again in that same story dolman at one point they come across a citizen um uh, a, a sort of young mother with a kid and then when they deal with her and and she goes home he says oh nice looking girl and Rico responds, I didn't notice. So there's, there's again, there's a bit more humanity coming in uh, from Dolman. And yes, as you say, there's a number of, of these, um, these clones out there, some of whom don't, don't make this volume. I'm thinking of Nimrod. 
uh, Kraken, of course. Uh, and in fact, there's a, a clone, Judge Semper, uh, that popped up uh, last year in the Prague. Uh, and then, yes, the, the, the female uh, clone, Cadet Paris, doesn't turn up. Uh, but yes, right. even with the with the few times, you know, that I mean, again, in Total War, Nimrod was really only on the page for maybe, I don't know, let's say five pages total. Uh, Cadet Paris was in um, that, that one story called The Forsaken for maybe a page and a half. But um, still, yes, John is able to, like, explore what it might be like with certain other problems that he just can't do with Dredd, even though Dredd's an evolving character. And... Vienna is in here, his niece, as you say, and his interaction, Dredd's interactions with Vienna tells us a little bit more about Dredd each time. And as part of the stories and part of what happens to Vienna during this collection, um, Dredd sort of makes a, a de- makes a determination to actually be a better uncle and be, you know, to be more in contact with Vienna. Although I think it's the Colin McNeil illustrated story where he's He's trying to get off duty to go and see her in some... Is she in a sort of like local theatrical production or something? Um, yes. So you're talking about Blood and Duty, um, yes. which is, I think, my favourite story in the whole collection. And this appears in the Rebellion uh, trade. And it's the only one of, the, of that core of seven that doesn't appear in the Hachette, which I think is ah, right. it's, it's a okay. criminal. I mean, I know why it's not in there, but I still think it's a, a real uh, criminal oversight. Um, because the first time that we met Vienna was in Prague 116 back in 1978. And I think, and that was just a one-off, just simply called Vienna. And it was back in the days when Wagner and Grant were just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. And I'm, I'm guessing that week they must have thought, hey, let's, you know, let's give Dredd a young niece and, um, and see what, where it goes. So fast forward uh, a few years and, and John Wagner tells a story that um, he was at a convention or a signing uh, years later. And somebody came up to him and said, uh, hey, um, Dredd's got a niece. Yes. How is it possible for Dredd to have for a man who's been on Titan for 20 years in, you know, on a penal colony or on a planet away from Earth or on a moon of a planet away from Earth to a side, a daughter. And John Wagner said, oh, yeah, you're right. So I guess for a number of years, he was trying to figure out how to square that circle. And 23 years later, we get the answer. And it's this, this wonderful two-parter. Uh, where, as you say, um, and, and, and again, what I love about it, so much to recommend it, uh, Wagner just gives no clues as, as, to, as to what's happening. You know, we just get Dredd is on the streets, he's out on patrol, he calls into control for um, 10 minutes, uh, you know, um, downtime, and walks into a block, an anonymous block, makes an arrest, of course, you know, uh, knocks on a door, and then the door opens, and we just get a speech bubble. Uh, hello, Vienna. And then cut to the next frame, come in Uncle Joe. And it's as easy as that. They've just picked up the whole story. And yes, uh, she's in town. She's been living in Britsit for 23 years. She's in town. She's starring in a play for two nights only or one night only. And she has 10 minutes with him uh, and then invites him to come and see the play. You know, here's a, here's a, here's a ticket, front row. And against his better judgment, he's thinking about her the whole day, the whole next day. He's, he's letting these thoughts invade his policing and he's, you know, he's, he's out there cracking skulls as per, but you know, he's thinking the whole day. And again, she's thinking the whole day. She has, there's a few backstage moments where she's talking to fellow actors. Is he coming? What was he like? 
And yeah, sure enough, at the end of it, uh, they never quite meet because he gets pulled onto another job at the last second. But he does he does eventually make it, but he just misses her. And it's it's like this. I mean, it's two parter. And it's like this sort of unrequited love at the end. It's it's kind of amazing how deep it goes. Um, mm-hmm. That they that they both miss each other and they both think, oh yeah, she's walked out. Oh, he never turned up, and she rips up a picture of him. But um, it lays the groundwork for I think everything else that that, that turns up, and certainly for the next story, the uh, the Satanist, which is when we see, I think when is that? That's um, that's maybe a year later, uh, which is a real big Vienna dread story. And at the end of the rebellion trade, I, I think we get to see Vienna ha- literally hosting tea for Dred, Rico, and Dolman. Yeah, um, a slightly strained, awkward family affair, shall we say? Yeah. Who, in turn, put them in order? Who would deal best with sitting down and chatting with Vienna out of those three? Well, I mean, okay, I'm 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 saying this because I've read um, subsequent Dolman stories, so. Uh, Dolman, um, so I'm, I, if I grade them uh, out of a uh, sense of ease, unease. Um, so yeah, Dolman would be. At, in fact, I think later on in the in the at least in the Hachette trade, there's a there's a one-off called Night School, and I think Dolman's living with Vienna at that time. He's sort of he's sort of um, uh, subletting a room or something like that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, he's super at ease, and I th- I kind of get the feeling that Rico could pop in every once in a while, and he would. He, he he would be quite at ease as well. Again, uh, the first time that he takes uh, Dolman round there, um, Vienna, uh, you know, goes into super hostess mode and, and makes them pot of tea, and and Dolman says, you know, that's a narcotic, or that that's a you know, it's caffeine is bad. Oh well, no, it's it's permitted inside the home, and Dolman again, to, you know, uh, cuts back in. He says, are, are you are you sure it's going to affect you? And Rico's like, come on, one cup of tea is not going to affect me. So I think he'd be pretty ill at ease, but. But Joe Dredd, not at all. I mean, again, we've seen, there's been, I think, since this time, there's probably been three Christmas stories where the whole family's been around the table and yeah, Joe Dredd is never um, at ease at all. And then, of course, there was that uh, one-off right in the middle of um, Chaos Day uh, called Tifa 2, where, you know, in the middle of all the, all the horrible death and destruction, um, Dredd does pop into her block and he does have a cup of tea. But uh, he, you know, again, he's mostly just using that as a ruse to get her out of the um, of the apartment. Yeah. And um, if we talk about the title story, Brothers of the Blood, which comes at the end of the rebellion trade, because I want to focus on Dolman for a moment before asking you some questions about connections to origins and so on. But the, the Brothers of the Blood story features Cadet Dolman, Let's say you've already mentioned this that they sort of they mentor each other, you know. Dread acts as a mentor to Rico. Rico acts as a mentor to Dolman, although Dolman, as a cadet, also encounters Dread in this story as well. But Dolman, as a cadet, makes a decision which is seems most unlike the Fargo line, mm-hmm. um, and it's really rather remarkable having been out on the streets with Rico and Dread pretty much in sort of like full duty as you know as much as a cadet can be and acquitting himself obviously like the dread line and the fargo line do he still makes a decision after that doesn't he 
Yes, I mean, well, how how spoilerific do we do we want to get here? I think we can spoil this one because it's been what you know, fifteen years or so, yes. isn't it? Okay, good. Yeah, that's that, that's the uh, statute of limitations. All right, great. I think uh, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think overall, yes, that's right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so in the in that story that you're referencing, Brothers of the Blood, yes, uh, Dolman is he's a cadet. He's not. I think he's sort of one year away from uh, the the opportunity to, to to get full eagle, but he's he has expressed doubts to his um, to his commander. Uh, I want to leave the academy, and this guy can't believe it. You know, you're from the best genetic stock. You're until recently, you've been having problems, but until like a year ago, you were top top of the top of the class. What's going on? And and then yes, sure enough, uh, Rico comes in and takes him out for this day, and he ends up meeting Vienna, and he goes out into the streets, and he meets Dread as well. And what I really like about it is that Wagner has basically given Dolman enough room to. He's made his decision. He's kind of ninety five percent made his decision. And the the commander has said, listen, grant me one concession. Go out on one more day on the streets for the whole day with Rico. And if you don't like it, that's fine. You can come back and quit, but just go out on one more day. And at the end of this day, he he, you know, he goes in and he performs admirably, perfectly. And then he says to himself, This is the greatest day uh, of my life. This is absolutely what I was born to do. This is incredible. I still want to quit. And what, 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 you know, nobody can believe it. Um, and he says, uh, you know, the reason for it is I'm not a machine. You know, you have, you've given me no choice. Again, like I said before, he was born in a test tube. He's been brought up, um, straight into the academy. As, as he said, you know, family association days were just, um, really difficult for him. And Enrico used to turn up from time to time, but, you know, he's just, he just objects on, on a, you know, on a base level that he's been shoved into this life that may be amazing for him and he's a natural fit for it. But the principle is he has not been given a choice. And so he he takes that and decides to do something else. And, and what's really lovely is that along the way, Rico and Vienna, and to, to a lesser extent, Dredd himself, uh, understand this, uh, realize this, but actually give him leverage to make his own decision. No, None of them say, you know, give him the old pep talk of like, hey, this is the greatest uh, thing in the world. I mean, Rico does say this is the greatest job in the world. These are the streets. I have, I've never felt happier. I think you'll feel supernatural. But if you want to uh, turn your back on it, that's your decision, uh, which is great to have that latitude there from, from you know, effectively his own clones, right? They're, they're his own. They are him. Yeah, it's great stuff. I, I do, I do enjoy the character Dolman whenever he turns up. He's now had a face change, obviously, because he appears. You know, he doesn't wear a helmet, and he he's been off out in space, I think, at various points, and then he's come back to Mega City One to, for the odd story. Hmm. Um, a great, you know, great fun character. Is this all part of John's? sort of further development of the dread story um you know introducing well we can get on to actually we can get on to dread's doubts in a moment but this idea that dread if he just carried on being the sort of automatic almost robotic law enforcer of the early years i don't think john would have carried on finding that interesting to write and i just wondered if you know part of this uh, collection part of these interest in john wagner selections that you you come up with giles is about john exploring 
dread uh, deepening as a character, but also having his doubts um, and seeing some reflections in mirrors, perhaps, and reflections of Rico and Dolman. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this, John's been doing this for a long time since, uh, I mean, probably since uh, Necropolis. You know, he did yeah. it with Dead Man. He did it with, um, you know, Dread seeing Kraken on the streets um, and, and you know, assessing Kraken as well, of course, um, meeting the Judder. Um, and then, of course, uh, meeting his family, uh, the Fargo clan. Um, and then what, you know, the political decision he made in uh, Tour of Duty. And then the the blame that various people, get part included, I suppose, um, most, that he got after Chaos Day. You know, there's quite a few people that are just straight out blaming Dredd. So, yes, he, he he's definitely grown since the, well, grown massively since the early days, but also grown since, I don't know, I suppose the the, the golden era, you know, of the 80s where, uh, yeah, we we all knew who Dread was. Um, he's a super god from the future uh, who is, um, you know, uh, diamond hard and the absolute man you want uh, in your corner if you need to fight a, a well, you know, <laughs> any time that there's, uh, you know, you need to get blood on your on your knuckle dusters. But yeah, how how interesting would that have been to sustain? I think you're right. I think it probably it probably was running out of steam. Hence. You know, mechanismo. Hence, uh, Necropolis, and hence the the other epics that I've um, I've just mentioned. But yeah, it's it is kind of amazing. I mean, there's a lovely moment in Blood Cadets where, uh, again, Rico uh, Junior, uh, Rico Two, and Dread uh, walk into a, a, a bar where there's a brawl in progress, and they're kind of they both get sort of separated, but they're just they're both taking care of business in there, and um, they're both looking out of the corner of their eye at each other I basically and they both say i'm looking at myself so so you know dread is saying i'm looking at my younger self um he moves faster than me he's better than me um but he obviously had any and he doesn't have the years of experience but maybe that's a good thing and then young rico is saying um you know this is this is me in in 30 years time um you know, is this is this what I'm going to do? Am I am I am I doing the right thing here? Am I am I you know is it the right level of um, harshness? Am I am I following the law? Am I am I giving? Am I taking when I need to be? Yeah, I, again, I think you can you can mine that for a long time, and I think uh, as this this collection shows, and there's you know there's uh, obviously Hachette goes on for a few years later, and then there's a couple of others that are stories that I can mention later that pick up this theme. That uh, basically, John and other writers are still are still playing with. Yes, it's all fantastic stuff, and of course, John Wagner. A couple of things, couple more things about him. One is that he's sort of famously fairly minimal in his scripts um, and his panel descriptions and so on. But the other thing he does extremely well is he does that dread detective, dread procedural stuff, uh, or dread and Rico and Dolman's instincts, where they just instinctively know that something about a situation isn't quite right. And, of course, when you get Dredd and Rico, or Dredd, Rico and Dolman on the streets, you get that sort of amplified, because they have this almost, I won't say telepathic, but they have this sort of understanding uh, of what's going on between them, that they can communicate almost wordlessly. And it's just... 
I don't know, it allows John in a way to be even more minimal, but also just to be even better sometimes, it seems to me, to you know, allow us to work out what's going on from uh, minimal conversation and the artwork. Yes, uh, I think you're right. And I think the, the, the two um, that come to, to, to spring to my mind when you say that are, um, yeah, I mean, maybe the, the, the sort of, on the surface, the, 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 the silliest story in here, which is Love Story 3, uh, which wraps up the uh, Bella Bagley arc that's been going on since 1984. This um, citizen that he that Dredd saved from a, from a mugging, I think was it back in the day, back in 1984, who fell in love with him and then and then projected a sort of love story onto him. And and she's turned up once since in 1991, and then she turns up again, and it's you know the last time we see her. But uh, yeah, there's a lovely um, unspoken connection between Dredd and Rico in that one, and then the story that turns up in the very next prop that's also in this connection uh, leaving rowdy which has got uh, towards the end of it a pure bit of telepathy between between dread and rico and there's a nice very nice play in the in the narrative about uh, you know john does something that that sort of you know pulls the rug out uh, the, uh, the rug out from underneath um the reader very cleverly at the end but then Immediately, there's there's just yeah, it's it's the same person, right? It's it's a clone, and they there's there's definitely a telepathic connection because they're just they uh, finishing as other sentences, and they're they they they're thinking exactly what the other one's thinking as well. So these stories are in the early two thousands. We know that in two thousand and seven, the thirtieth anniversary is coming up. We know that that's going to be origins. You've hinted at it. That this these stories, do you see them as part of that development of dread, the questioning of the Fargo bloodline, the some of the sort of revelations and, and further questions that dread will have as part of the origins storyline? Uh, yes, I mean, I, it, it doesn't. None of the stories are quite as blatant as that moment in was it the shooting match in nineteen ninety that the Kraken story where Kraken found the comportment and one of dreads. Um, uh, uh, notes in the in the margins was what about the big lie? It's never that um, that in your face, but yeah, um, he he almost you know pushes Rico to question the the nature of justice in Blood Cadets, which is two thousand, and he sort of does the same thing later on in 2004 in Brothers of the Blood. And then, so the Hachette, um starts with Return of Rico. And then at the end of it, after these seven stories, it carries on. And there's um, there's a really lovely, I think, again, one of my favorites in the in the whole collection, a one-off called Night School, which is in 2007, which um, is, a, is a Dolman um, dread story. It was actually a Dolman Vienna story, amazingly enough, a lovely a lovely um, combination, which is, again, that's pushing that and that's, you know, Vienna questions, dreads, you know, uh, con- contract with the law, I suppose, and then dread even goes to another judge and and gets him to flex, you know, gets him to, to basically change his judgment on, on Dolman, something happened to Dolman. And then, of course, there's 50 Year Man, which is 2007, which is, is like a sort of funny, you know, riff on the, on the, on the dread thing. But yes, the the there is definitely it's, it's a long it's a long fuse but yes yeah, starting from blood cadets in 2000 and then all the way through to uh night school in 2007 and yes you're right which is just over the hill from origins i think we are getting that the wagner's planting seeds of hey you know f- walking up to fargo's famous line 
Joe, this was never meant to be forever. You can definitely get threads of that in in those stories. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, as our American cousins would say, they you know he's been laying track for this sort of stuff for several years, hasn't he? I mean, it's it's fascinating seeing Dread and his clones in action and seeing some of this stuff the similarities, the differences, the questions and the doubts that Dredd is starting to have, the questions and doubts that Rico and Dolman have is all great stuff. Um, there's a story to perhaps a story that didn't work quite so well for me in this collection was the um, Sector House story, only oh, wow. because, well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that you're going to um, sort of expand this story for me and tell me why I should like it more. My only problem with it was... Um, that it did feel a little bit like a rerun of the pit, just with Rico in the sector house rather than Dread. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I thought, Eamon, <laughs> I thought you liked that. I thought you liked the pit. And I thought particularly you like um, Detective Dread, which this has got a lot of. Um, yeah, so when did um, uh, when did this come out? So sector house came out in 2000, uh, probably 12, 15 to 22. Uh, which I think is about five years after the pit. Is that right? Pit's about yeah. 1995. Um, That's so, yeah, right, yeah. yeah um, you, you are absolutely correct. There's a lot of similarities. There is, um, it's basically, yeah, I mean, I know. Oh, so in, in this story, uh, Sector House, it's basically, I think it's all more or less the second assignment uh, that Rico's been put on since he he graduated. That 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 lovely comic throwaway line he spent some time in traffic and now he's yes he's, he's in that's right they've all done some time in traffic <laughs> everybody's done yeah. time in traffic and so he he comes in the sector house and and immediately because he's such a he's you know what what was dread's first line in the pit i'm a stickler right because rico is such a stickler i think he's just got it in his genetic makeup that uh, and he's good and he's great on his own and he's great with a partner and he does some good detective work throughout and, 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 you know, it's, it's like the pit. There's at least four stories that are weaving in and out of each other, but you are absolutely correct to say that um, there is uh, an investigation into not quite a dirty judge, but a judge that's, that's doing something weird on the side. There is an unjudicial liaison between two judges that um, Rico uh, busts apart, much like Dredd did with DeMarco and her paramour in the pit. And then, you know, there's the exposure of the sector house, in this case, sector house 108, as opposed to uh, the pit, where he basically, you know, time and time again, uh, you get the uh, the leader of the sector house, or, you know, they, get, they keep getting knocked out. So like the, the leader, the sort of new leader, saying it's taken a cadet um, to tell us, our failings, and that's more or less what what happens in in the pit with dread at that a sense. So yes, you're absolutely correct. There are there are echoes of what happened in the pit, and again, there's a large cast of characters. There's multiple interlinking investigations. Uh, you get the fleshing out of the workings of a of a sector house. So you get um, the tac teams, the SJS, the watch commanders, the deputy chiefs, and all the rest of it. Um, and there's a, there's a, an interesting connection here that there's actually two brothers working in in the sector house that interact with each other and then as if to uh, to to underline the the pit as before we get you know one of my favorite characters of all time judge rothman makes an appearance um so yes you're right uh if you want to be uncharitable it's just a reheated pit i think that may be the case but there is um 
be that as it may, you get uh, the 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 people in the sector house uh, who bucked against dread in the pit. But at the end of the day, they knew this guy's dread. Um, maybe he's right. In this case, they're bucking against Rico and they're like, you're just a sniveling little brat. You know, you've just graduated from the, the academy like four minutes ago. Who, who the hell do you think you are? You don't know this sector. You don't know, you know, wh- 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 why are you busting out, you know, on judicial liaisons? Who cares? Uh, this guy had, uh, you know, a private apartment. Who cares? You know, these just, just, you've got to learn to give other judges a break. You know, we're all on the same side. And then beyond that, there is a phenomenal, um, Wagner does a phenomenal bit of storytelling in here. There's a, an investigation that um, uh, Rico does with in concert with a judge that hates him called Judge Levine. They go into uh, this tanker or this uh, freighter that's uh, in, down in the, um, the docks and something terrible happens. And then right at the crescendo of the action, Wagner just cuts to like six hours in the future. And we piece together what happened with like real broken narrative and and he said she said and that there's a SJS investigation and there's this guy's got a little piece of invest a little piece of evidence and there's there's some testimony from from a from a perp. So I think even if it is just a re uh, reheated pit, just for that one uh, piece of dynamic storytelling, I'll forgive it a great deal. Okay. Maybe I should be kind. How have I won you around, Damon? <laughs> well, I mean, as you say, it's got so much in it of the sort of stuff that I like. Yeah. As you say, all that procedural stuff. I also like that Rico consults Dredd in the story. And Dredd's quite, again, he's, you know, he's quite a stickler. He says, you know, you should take this up the chain of command mm-hmm. uh, sort of stuff. But yes, Rico's Which turns out, very good. in this case, to be the wrong thing to do. Yes. Okay, fascinating. I'm going to take us onto the artwork for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got an embarrassment of riches in the two volumes, the, both the Rebellion Trade and then in extended into the Hachette collection. We've got Simon Fraser doing Dread, which we haven't really talked about much Simon Fraser doing Dread on the podcast. We've got Charlie Adlard, I think coloured by Chris Blythe. And, of course... When I think Charlie Adlard, I think of black and white art. You know, Savage um, in recent years in the prog, obviously The Walking Dead that made his name. Before we talk about the big, you know, the the huge dread names, what did you make of those sort of um, lesser known dread artists? Uh, Okay, so confession time. I've never read any Nicolai Dante. Oh, right. Okay. So I'm not that familiar with Simon Fraser. And I I mean, I know that's like a Jupiter sized gravitational pull that will get me at some (laughs) point in the future. Um, I mean, I did read Hershey last year in the collected um, graphic novel and liked that a great deal. But let's say, so I I do love this story. Uh, This is, so he he, um, inks uh, Blood Cadets, which is the first story in the the Rebellion trade. It's a three parter, it's superb, beautifully put together. Uh, it's It's his first dread. Right. Uh, and you can still, you can kind of tell there's a few rough edges here. Uh, he doesn't quite get the helmet right. Um, and there's one or two frames that seem a little bit rushed to me, but there is some good stuff. And also there's another level to it. I don't really think he's helped out by the coloring. Um, the coloring seems to be a little bit too, too muted. It doesn't quite know where yeah. it wants to be. Uh, I mean, for instance, if you think about the two Carlos stories, um, he he makes the 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 uniform, uh, the sort of bodysuit, uh, jet black, 
and he makes the the helmet jet black and crimson. And in this, you know, the the, the uniform is a very light navy navy blue, and uh, the helmet seems to be, you know, approaching rose instead of approaching scarlet. Um, but you know, I, I, that said, don't think I'm having a go because later on, uh, Eamon, when we discuss Grail Pages, you'll see that I've picked a Simon Fraser Grail Page. So I think he's he's really tremendous. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. Is it like, is it the way he draws helmets? Or is it the way he, um, the colouring? I don't, I don't quite know. Um, and equally, I mean, there, there are moments in the story that are just breathtaking. He recreates Mick McMahon's famous Rico just uh, as he comes back from Titan and takes his his uh, hoodie off, you know, that, that tortured face with the nose cut out and the, and the voice box, um, it, you know, tremendously. And then Viz, uh, Charlie Adlard, yeah, I, I mean, I'll just quickly say that I think The Satanist is easily the worst story in the collection. It's not very bad, but it's equally not very good. Uh, there's lots of plot holes. Uh, there's some unresolved threads. It's a little bit too long. Um, but also... I, I think it, it fails because it doesn't follow the formula of the other stories, which are that whatever pairing is in focus, you know, whether it's Dread or Rico or Vienna and Dolman or Rico and Dolman, uh, each share more or less equal page time. And there's usually a, a lot of deep conversation between the two. But in The Satanist, uh, Vienna hardly appears, one. When she does, she's in some kind of fugue state, like she's either in a trance or she's uh, in a, like been hypnotized or in a coma. Uh, and then she's got no agency whatsoever. She basically acts as a MacGuffin to get Dread first to Britsit and then uh, latterly get him out to the to the countryside. So I'm, I'm not a big fan. Now, having said that, those heavy inks of Charlie Adlard are fantastic. The way that he draws the sort of Alistair Crowley type figure, the way he draws there's a, there's a cabbie in there that turns out to be a, an acolyte of the, of the uh, Satanist cult. Uh, the way he draws Glastonbury Tor and the sort of ragged edges of, of, of Britsit is really phenomenal. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I just don't, I don't love the story. We've also got Colin McNeil who does the, um, the Vienna story that's not in the Hachette collection. Mm. That, you know, that again is great stuff. I think Colin obviously at this stage still painting and colouring his own work because I think in more recent years, as he said in the pod, he's just, he's always had a colourist now, I think, hasn't he? Yes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I was looking at Barney to try and see when the break was. Uh, the next thing he does after this, 18 months later, is Terror, part of Total right. War, and he's still he's still painting. So I don't know when it is. I mean, yeah, I just picked up uh, Citadel uh, last week, and he's got a full-parter in there, Removal Man, that he does and it, it's that it's that i don't know what you want to call it the new style the sort of late style that he does where it's you know there's a lot less cross hatching there's a lot more blacks he does those lovely moments on the um on the helmets and the and the shoulder pads where it looks like they've been slightly battered yeah you know that he did and so yeah he's been doing that guatemala machine law all of his late stuff uh but yeah it seems this is still lovely i think i prefer the new style but this is still wonderful the sort of uh much more attention paid to the face and and uh, and and everything else two carlos stories in the collection obviously um sector house and then at the end of my collection or you know the digital Re- um, rebellion collection brothers of the blood um the note i made was that i think there's a transition in the digital coloring i think in sector house it was when 
things were with digital colours, there was slightly too much shine and gloss on various parts, particularly of Dredd's helmet and the shoulder pads and so on. By Brothers of the Blood, I think he'd nailed the digital colour in, yeah. uh, or however it's been done. And it's back to what we would regard as sort of like modern Carlos at his best, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, he, again, I, I, I don't know exact dates here. And I think it's kind of anybody would be guessing, really, unless, unless you were in the room with him and to see him using Photoshop or Illustrator background filters. But um, yeah, he, a lot of the stuff that he did for, I'm thinking like Wilderlands or that, that sh- sort of short three-parter called the taking of sector house one, two, three, where, yeah. which are both really good. And that there's, oh, yeah, it's, it's the usual Carlos wonder uh, taking place, but equally you've got like, Oh God, why did you put that filter of an explosion in the background? That's just, it's just cheap. But, um, uh, it, you know, it cheapens this masterpiece that you've otherwise made. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think he's, I don't know whether he's abandoned um, filters that are sort of too egregious or He's just nailed his use of of whatever computer program he's he's using. But yeah, uh, both his stories here, he's leaning, I think, a lot more on his ink work. Yeah, and of course, as we say, Brothers of the Blood, it is um, it's just great Carlos work throughout, isn't it? Yeah, and we'll be talking about a couple of pages from that story uh, in a moment or two, I guess. Um, also, the Hachette collection, just to compare differences again, you've got the. I should say, of course, The Return of Rico, because that's a Pat Mills story. We've been talking about John, but it's a Pat Mills story, isn't there? It misses out the Colin McNeil blood and duty story that you were disappointed about. And then it adds in, you've referred to them already, Night School, 50-Year Man, and then Class of 79, I think, as well. Um, yes, exactly. So uh, so the, do you know the reason why blood and duty is not in it? Is no. It in there, All right, so... Uh, all right, I, I'll caveat this by by reminding you last time that we spoke, um, I had nothing but praise for Keith Richardson, who, uh, you know, editor du jour. I, I, I think, you know, he's... he's these he's, selections together, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, do stunning work. And I think he made a terrible mistake early on in the Hachette collection. So Hachette number, number one is the America collection, and it collects America, of course, the is it called the fading of the light the second american yes, story yep. and it collects cadet and it collects one more story about about um the beanie crew and i'm going to presume that they needed uh, a bit a few more stories to flesh out volume one and so they picked three more stories that were john wagner scripted and colin mcneil inked and one of them is blood and duty Oh, I see. So Hachette is a part work, and you know you can't go. You know you can't you can't have a story that appears in one and then fifty three twice. So yeah. I think he kind of made a rod for his own back, uh, and it's, it's weird because he was deputy editor on the Rebellion story. So you know he he knows he knows his apples. I mean he he knows his exists, but you know I mean ho hum. That, that's why if I were to recommend uh, one of these volumes, I would say Hachette because. I think if you're inclined to buy their Shet version, it's it's a 99 out of 100 chance that you own number one. So mm-hmm. you can you know you, you can get Blood and Duty as well. But yes, you're right. There's three more stories at the end. Class of 79, which is a phenomenal story. It's a one-off from uh, 2006. I don't. I really love it as a as a story. And it's actually Dread meets another another cadet that graduated in the same year as him. Uh, but I don't. Apart from 
a Christmas dinner together where uh, the crew, Dom and Rico, Dredd and Vienna get together. I don't know how it merits inclusion in this. Uh, 50 Year Man, equally, it's, it's, um, it's, you know, Wagner having a sort of meta-theatrical riff on the legend of, of Judge Dredd. Uh, it's fine, but uh, I don't know why, why it fits in here with the others. And then Night School, which I, I adore. Again, it's a, it's a one-off from um, The Meg in 2007. And it's it's Dolman like trying to trying to make something of his life uh, and doing very well and getting caught in a paradoxical trap in the law and then um, and you know Vienna basically fighting to get Dredd to use his influence to 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 bend uh, the judgment uh, in Dolman's favour and you get a wonderful wonderful moment in there where Dredd turns her down and says I can't do it um, it would look like nepotism to which she replies and this is. It's such a cold reply that it stops Dredd in his tracks. She says, you killed your own clone brother. Who would ever accuse you of nepotism? Mm. And then, you know, next frame, he's, he's like having a word with, you know, judge, judge, whatever it is. Hey, you know, I think you should change your, your decision about, about what happened to Dolman. Uh, yeah, so uh, Night School is um, night school's phenomenal. Uh, the other two I can, I can take or leave. I'll just mention um, Conrad from Space Spinner 2000 and Class of 79, because I believe on Space Spinner 2000, Conrad often mentions that Dredd has uh, either killed or incarcerated most of his colleagues from the Class of 79, it seems, over, over the years. years. Yes, well, Judge Gibson, a.k.a. Muty the Pig, and then, yes, yeah. and uh, what's his name from um, from Blood, uh, from uh, uh, Tour of Duty as well, the guy that was um, Judge Nesta, who was in yeah. charge of, became a warden of the... Uh, one of the um, camps out on the coast of Earth. And Keith, Richards, yeah, and Keith Richardson, again, we must compliment him on his work. And uh, if you're listening, Keith, do come, on, do come on the podcast again and tell me more about the treasury of the British comics. Okay. Um, if I was to get you to pick out your favourite stories then, is it going to be the uh, the Colin McNeil Blood and Duty or one yes, of the others? Yes, I mean, I, I love... I think I think they're all really good. I mean, including uh, the two one-offs, leaving Rowdy and even Love Story three. I mean, uh, I think are, are, are really good. Um, but yes, uh, I'm going to have to come back down to Blood and Duty. I I love almost every frame about that. It's it's really clever. Uh, it retcons uh, Vienna's origin story, and it does it in a way that is not fan service. Does it in a purely believable, really really fabulous way. There's real emotion in there. Like I said, the the sort of um, the, the second part is all about them attempting to meet each other and, and keep getting, you know, their, their obstacles are put in their path uh, to stop them meeting. Wonderful and a really good, um, a good setup to, you know, all of the Vienna stories that we've, uh, we've seen since. Fantastic stuff. So let's give you the Grail page game, Charles. Let's make it even harder. <laughs> You've got all this beautiful artwork from all these different artists. We've even in the Rebellion trade, there's a couple of covers at the back. There's a Cliff Robinson, Charlie Adlard, there's a Carlos cover, I think. What are you going to pick for the Grail Page Gallery? Uh, well, I've got, um, I know you're, you're very generous in this in this game, uh, Eamon, and you you often give people two, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be greedy and take two. Um, of course. So this is a, a late page um, from the first story, Blood Cadets. Um, so this is Judge Rico Jr., who's on his um, assessment day on the streets. And he has, uh, he's basically, he's been following a lead that turns out not to be the lead that he thought it would be, but he, he says... I'm going, to, I'm going to chase this guy down the rabbit hole anyway because I think he's dodgy. 
And um, so it's it's in the digital version, it is page 21. Um, and it's Dread being led by Rico. And they go into a cafe and there's something going on uh, down the stairs. And you see them enter the cafe. They go, they literally go down some very spooky looking stairs and they enter a soundproof room. And then the doors open onto this such a dread 2008 um, scene. So this is a horrendous criminal um, network has has you know come up with you know we, we hear about this drug Ziz a uh, lot on the street and it's apparently we we find out here is made from the uh, adrenal glands of humans and how do you get adrenaline out of humans? Well, what you do you strap them to a wall and you put visors on them showing horrible you know fight or flight uh images into their directly pumped into their eyes and and horrible screaming into their ears um and just and, and, and you you farm them for a you know adrenaline until they collapse uh so yeah this is phenomenal um forum like view of what looks sort of 40 people strapped to these uh, these terrible um contraptions one guy in the, the front of this of the scene in full profile screaming having a terrible time and intense pain but then in typical dread um fashion in the middle of the scene you've got two two scientists who are in charge of the whole operation having a lunch break so they're both having they're eating their hotties and then drinking their synth calf it's uh yeah it's amazing that good stuff from simon fraser so simon fraser there i think that's the gary coldwell colors and uh, we'll give you that page as you say page 21 of the digital collection I know you've got another page, and we're going to jump towards the, the rear of the book now. I think. Yeah, this is um, yeah final story of um, of the Hachette again. Uh, this is uh, from Brothers of the Blood. Uh, it's kind of late on page one sixty nine in the digital version, and weirdly, it's kind of a similarish theme uh, to it. It's it's got uh, dread is in three quarter profile, uh, full from from boots to to helmet on the right hand side of the screen. Um, and he's across uh, one, two, three, four, five um, horizontal frames where the story's going on. And the whole thing is Dredd's internal monologue where he's saying he's, you know, wondering about his future, right? Um, so he's wondering about, you know, Rico and now Dolman, he says, you know, is this, is this evidence, uh, further evidence of his own impermanence? Uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, Rico's got uh, even better scores at the uh, target range than me beat he checked out of curiosity um i mean just this amazing internal internal monologue between him as he just surveys the scene as he surveys rico and dolman going about their business um in uh in the city it's uh it's really phenomenal writing and then of course carlos art with this full full figure dread on the right hand side it's a i mean it's a stunning page it is john wagner uh, peak dread writing, and then of course you've got Carlos showing us dread, literally as all as ever standing over his city, but contemplating Rico and Dolman in the panels. It's beautiful. I mean, whoever owns that page, congratulations! Mm. And as ever, I will post these images when this episode comes out, so people can see what we're talking about. Yeah, we're going to reward you those in the virtual art gallery, Giles. They are right. stunners. Yeah, fantastic. I will mention Simon Fraser's depiction of Rico, that one panel, which I thought was marvellous. Always great to see the sort of Rico post-Titan look. But I'm also going to take you back a few pages from your Carlos page. I'm on page 16... 
let me get it right, uh, 161, which is a classic sort of Carlos dread in action, all sorts of explosions going on behind him. Mm-hmm. The caption says the great man himself. Um, uh, he gets to say the line, but you've also got Rico and Dolman at the bottom in an inset panel. Just chaotic Carlos action at its finest. Uh, the foreground figure of dread, the background, all hell is breaking loose in Mega City One. That page, I'm sure, is beyond the imaginary budget of Mega City uh, Book Club. But yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, um, it's wonderful. I'd also mention the Carlos cover which is right at the back of the book. Is it Prague 1380 was the cover for that, which shows the three the three different versions, Dread, Rico, and Dolman all in action. Yeah. is also terrific stuff, and I'll probably post that again when it comes out. Great stuff, Giles. We've, so we've got this wonderful collection of another one of these sort of put-together John Wagner stories that really tells us so much about... Uh, Dread and his world and his uh, clone relatives. Um, I know you always make a lot of notes, Giles. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about this particular collection before we wrap up? I will just say that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did allude uh, earlier on which which collection I'd, I'd pick, but if if I could put out my own Giles Platinum edition of Brothers of the Blood, right? I would, uh, <laughs> which exists only in my mind. Um, I would, I, I tell you what I'd do in it just to, just to make this even, even better. And of course, I think one of these stories, oh no, no, I was going to say one of these stories came out after Hachette. I would have everything in the Hachette version, uh, minus the Satanist, which I just think is, you know, surplus to requirements and minus class of 79, 50 year man. Um, and I'd also, and I'd obviously put in Blood Duty, but I'd also put in, um, I kn- now I know this story is uh, wrapped up in the Dead Man and wrapped up in the Judder and Necropolis, and it might get a bit, it might be a bit difficult to follow if you're not not reading it. But I think Tale of the Dead Man uh, would be in here because it's a perfect Kraken story. It's 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 another reflection of a clone of Dread, and this time an angry one, an arrogant one. Um, one with really something to hide, which the other clones don't have. Um, and it's a very succinct, again, it's, it's similar to Blood Cadets that it's, it's Dread passing out, um, a, a cadet onto the streets. Um, really, really wonderful, uh, six parter. Um, and then I'd also do, I mentioned it briefly, but, um, there is a phenomenal story called The Forsaken from 2013, a five parter, um, that exists in, uh, well, it is this in in this that I got in my hand, the um, Day of Chaos Fallout, uh, which is a collection of stories post Day of Chaos, and it's um, ten cadets from the Academy of Law who kind of get uh, left behind enemy lines on on Chaos Day, and Dolman and Dread investigating what happened to them. I don't think it's about a year later after after Chaos Day, and they they go on a trip um, around you know the continental North America. Uh, to Uranium City, Mega City Two, etc. Um, and what's really lovely about it, it's it's a combination that we haven't seen yet. It's Dolman Dread, um, and Dolman leads the investigation. Uh, so that in itself is is excellent. And then, just to add a bit of extra icing on the cake, one of the main motivations for them finding all ten of these cadets is that one of the cadets, Cadet Paris, is herself a clone of Dread. 
So it's another, it's, I think it's a story that fits perfectly in here. I mean, I know why it wasn't in this collection because it already exists in Day of Chaos Fallout, which is published by Rebellion. And I think um, there's an almost identical Hachette uh, put out as well. But uh, if I could have my way, I would uh, put the Forsaken in there. It's, it fits absolutely snugly with all the other stories in here. Uh, it's phenomenal, and then we have the the, the revelation of a, a female dread clone who shows her face, um, and again somebody who, over the course of this story, decides she wants to turn her back on uh, on the academy. Fantastic. Well, um, if we can have a virtual Grail page art gallery, I suppose we can have a virtual publishing imprint and make that Giles uh, Platinum collection available as well. Mm. Um, fantastic stuff. Uh, so I will say that Brothers of Blood uh, in the Rebellion version is available digitally only now for $9.99 from the 2080 store or app. In the Hachette collection, it's volume 53, mm-hmm. I believe. It was issued, confusingly, it was issued 63 in the sort of strange way they numbered them. But it's volume 53 in the Hachette collection. Uh, you can find it on the second hands, I believe. I don't think you can buy those new now from Hachette. Um, they're just concentrating on the ultimate collection now, I believe. Yeah, that, I mean that's where I got mine. Um, I picked mine up, like I said, about I can't remember about um, eight months ago. Um, actually, I picked up in a in a, in a four a four together with um, Insurrection and uh, and the Heavy Mob and um, one other that I can't remember. Uh, but yes, it, it, it's really I'm really glad I did it because, like I said, it, it had I already had a lot of these stories uh, in here, but just um, for the inclusion of night school, really, it's which I hadn't read before. Uh, it's it's great, fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, Giles. Thank you for giving up your time. Oh, um, anyway, of course. And I'm looking forward to what uh, interesting eclectic collection of uh, stories you pick for your next appearance on the book club. Okay. Um, I should have mentioned at the top of the show. We should also congratulate you on your recent uh, wedding as well. Yes, thanks, I got, Charles. I got uh, well. Yeah. Well, today we're we're. Uh, recording on a Tuesday. I got married last Monday, so I got married eight days ago. So thank you very much for the for the kind uh, kind words. Congratulations to you both. And uh, we were going to record, hopefully in person at Lawless this year, but you weren't able to make it over in the end. Yes, uh, devastating. Maybe... Given given how much fun you you guys all had there, and and, well, the, we and had... the lineup. Yes, it was a great lineup, and we did have a great time. Uh, it was very good indeed. So hopefully we will meet up at uh, one in the future. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you very much again, Giles. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, and thank you very much for the uh, for the invite. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Uh, find all the links at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on all the socials to see the Grail pages that Giles and I have chosen when this episode comes out. Uh, and email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got a book of your own that you'd like to come talk about. So that'll do us from here in England and there in Dubai. Until next time when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.